Hey, 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 guys, it is Allison. I am the host of your show, Allison Answers Mission Awake. I cannot wait to sit down with you today and go over how we are going to crush the mediocrity in your life that has been plaguing our society since the beginning of time. I cannot wait to have a real deal conversation that includes intelligence, fun, excitement, and real actionable steps to make a real difference in the life that you're living now and making it into something you can be damn proud of and excited to live. Sit down, put on your damn seatbelt, and get ready for the ride of your life. Hey, 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 guys, how are you today? It is Allison from Allison Answers, and we have a really sparkly guest today. Now, we have this woman, Chanel. Could you please pronounce your last name? I don't want to butcher it. Venegas. Venegas. I actually knew that. Chanel Venegas is someone that I have met when she was doing a speaking engagement. And she was kind enough to talk to me and to share her uh, some of her wisdom with me. And what I found in Chanel is incredible. And I know that you're going to find that as well. Basically, what I want you to sit down and just lean back, take notes if you need to, because you're going to hear things about your greatness and how you can overcome pretty much anything. There really isn't any excuse for us not to succeed, not to thrive in life, because Chanel is a person who has overcome so many things that most people would say, you know, this is my excuse for not, you know, being a badass like she is. And what she has developed over her over her young life, I think, is incredible. And she's going to show us how she went through kind of tragedy or difficulty to triumph. And this can also tell you how you can do that as well. And in terms of who Chanel is, she is a very, very highly successful business owner and entrepreneur. She has an unbelievable following on Facebook. She is a person who empowers women to empower themselves. And she knows how to teach women strategic ways to be successful in business, in life, empower themselves as women, I believe. And I know just being in her presence, you're going to change. So I'm going to just get right into it. It's going to be a raw discussion about some, you know, deep and possibly personal things if Chanel will let me dig through. Okay, Chanel, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to chat today. Yes, I am too. So Chanel, could you, I mean, when I saw you in St. Louis, you just got up on that stage like this hot pink mama and you told your story and the backstory is incredible. So would you mind just giving like the audience some backstory about where you've been and where you are now, like the contrast. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, it's so funny. I just posted the other day that um, people that meet me in this season will have never known the seasons that I've walked through. And to me, that's winning, right? Because people make so many assumptions about who I am based off of where I am now. And I always think, oh, honey, if you only knew, right? So I came from poverty. My mom was a single mom. You know, she had three jobs. I grew up literally in bunk beds in my grandma's living room, 
you know, I shared a bunk bed with my sister in, in my grandma's living room in uh, Southern California. And then as I got older, I ran to gang culture, which I hung out with and dated. Okay. I was like 13, but whatever, you know, from 13 to like 1920, I dated and hung out with um, one of the deadliest gangs in the entire world, not California, not America, you know, the world. And in that moment, I didn't even realize how bad it was because I just so desperately wanted a community, right? And gang yes. culture is very much so a community, whether or not it's a good community or whatever you want to look at it, it, it was a community. So that's where I kind of come from. And then I, I kind of just was going through life and I ended up at FedEx. And one day I just found myself making $9 an hour at FedEx. And I'm like, okay, you're 25, you're making $9 an hour. What the hell are you going to do with your life? Like you're getting too old for this. Um, and I started working really hard at my career at FedEx. And within three years, I became a district manager at FedEx, which is like unheard of. People thought I was crazy for even setting a goal. I had set a goal of six years to become a DM. And they're like, you're not even a store manager. Like, how are you going to do that? Um, and within three years, I became the number one district manager in all of FedEx, despite having the smallest footprint, despite having the smallest uh, staffing. Every, all the odds were stacked against me. and we just crushed it. And it was in that very moment of, okay, I finally have it all right. I, I had been married. I had, I was working on this prestigious career and I had never felt more alone in my life because I lacked that community that I once had, you know, from the streets of LA. And so I started something in the middle of my sleep, basically called beauty and hustle. And it came from a really deep and ugly and dark place, crying at the kitchen table about feeling so alone. Like, how can you be at the top of what you thought you were striving for and still feel like complete crap, you know? Um, and so I started this community on Facebook and overnight it grew basically within like two or three days to like 25,000 people. And that's really where, you know, that's where the magic started to happen. And I grew beauty and hustle from zero to seven figures within one year with all organically, no paid ads, nothing of the sort, just, um, you know, attraction marketing and putting my heart out and being honest and really getting people to like, know, and trust me. And since then, you know, beauty has, uh, beauty and hustle has went on and, and made millions of dollars and has changed millions of lives. And, I've went on to business coaching and all kinds of things, but my, my most prestigious thing that I'm most proud of is being able to create impact way beyond what I've ever fathomed, right? Way beyond the FedExes, way beyond the, the streets of LA, um, touching people's lives that live in different countries that would normally have never known that I even existed. And so giving people the hope and the backstory of where I come from and giving women the inspiration to get up off their booties and get it done and um, know that it's okay if they fail once in a while. Cause I fail all the time and I do it very publicly, um, yeah. which I think sets me apart, <laughs> sets me very apart from any other influencers that I truly see out in the game. Nobody's talking about their, their failures, but I talk about them all, all the time. So but yeah, that's kind of where I came from. And 
I'm actually in the midst of a lot of uh, things kind of changing and moving. And I've, I've scaled my business back a lot to get my mental health back during a divorce. And um, yeah, I've been really public with all of that too. So hopefully for the people that are hearing, you know, I've been through a lot of crap in my life and a lot of ups and a lot of downs and it's really hard. And especially from the entrepreneur side, but from the corporate side too. And I think that, you know, not enough people talk about that of feeling aloneness, whether it is that you're um, trying to strive for a promotion at work, which I don't know why some entrepreneurs shit on people that have jobs. I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're right. If you're an entrepreneur building a business and you think that employees are dumb, how are you going to hire employees? Like exactly. that I've never, I've always fought that ideal that like people that are just employees are just employees. Like there's a role for everybody, you know? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of my backstory. And I have so many know. questions for you because yeah. I just want to acknowledge that I I'm presuming that your incredible following and your success comes from your authenticity. That's just because I feel so drawn to you and comfortable with you just from, and you know, you get, if you look at the context, I was sitting in the audience, right? So, and you were up in that beautiful hot pink outfit, you know, walking across the stage back and forth, you know, owning it. And, but you draw people in with that, you know, and I really do believe that our world is desperate for people to tell the truth about what hurts. Because it, think about it, as soon as I see you, like I get a little tear in my eye because I feel like, you know, I can be me, right? I and love that, that. Thank you. No, but that's real about you, don't you think? Thank you. I appreciate that comment. No, and I really appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing. And I just want to just dive into because you give people permission to be real, to be vulnerable, to be hurting, to be making mistakes, because how do we get from a tragic place to a triumphant place without if we become ashamed of every mistake or every, you know, bad relationship or whatever that is, how are we ever going to get anywhere unless we hide and pretend? And that doesn't, where does that get you, right? Emotionally. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, don't we all just want to be happy, really, ultimately? Yeah. yeah. I, and I think I think the, the hard part of the, you know, don't we all want to be happy statement is, <laughs> is that a lot of people look towards other for happiness for two reasons. A, they're looking for other people to make them happy, which you have to make yourself happy first. Right. 100%. And that is something that I have learned in a huge way with my divorce. Not that my ex-husband ever truly was making me happy, but I had to figure out how to make myself happy alone. But the other part is, is that we do look to social media or we look at the people in our office or, you know what I mean? The people that we work with every day and we size our life up to what their highlight reel is. And it's unrealistic, right? And which is why I try to share all the good and the bad and the ugly and the uglier because nobody's talking about that stuff. You know, yeah. even some of the big 
like these big hotshot influencer guys that, you know, are making millions of dollars and doing all these things. And they do have great impact. They're still not talking about falling flat on their face. And I know that they're doing it. I'm in masterminds with them. Right. So (laughs) I'm seeing the post of, oh my gosh, you know, my, my marriage is falling apart or, oh my gosh, this is happening. And it's like, but why are we not discussing that publicly so that we can all learn together? right? Because happiness really is an inside job. And you have to find out what makes you happy. And I just want anyone under like listening to understand something. At one point, beauty and hustle was all gas, no breaks. I mean, I was working six days a week, 16 hours a day during COVID. I had a 5,000 square foot warehouse. I had a ton of employees. Um, you know, just making six figures every month. Like we were just, it was crazy. I was the most miserable I've ever been. And I was the closest to being a millionaire at that point. And that's why I don't work that much anymore. I've learned that that is not what makes me happy, but I had to get to that point to understand that. And for some people, it might be like, I, they really want a private jet. Cool. That's great. Amazing. Right. And that's not to say that maybe I won't have those things, but that is not um, authentically aligned to who I am or the things that I actually want that bring me joy. So finding that out for yourself is important. Yeah. And like you are clearly a person who can, with strategy and your, your understanding of business can bring, can scale something to a tremendous place. Right. But you discovering, and I'm wondering because of just even some of the things we talked about off uh, camera, that overwhelming sense of loneliness that you described originally that when you went into the, you know, the gang culture, right? And then I'm thinking as an entrepreneur, that overwhelming sense of loneliness, right? Like, who am I? Or, you know, and I'm imagining within your divorce, your divorce, like what, how would you tell a person who's on here? Because I, I know it. I know that so many people who are listening to this are lonely deep inside or they're ashamed deep inside, you know? Yeah. And like, what would you say? How did, how did you move through or are you moving through that? What, what, what is your experience? Yeah, I definitely am still moving through that. You know, I was um, with my ex-husband and married, I was married for 10 years and with him for almost 15. So I'm, I'm 38. So if we do the math, I was with him for my entire adult life, right? Everything that I've known has been with this certain person. And, you know, the beginning of my marriage was amazing and I'll never discount that. But the end was so treacherous that I can't even fathom that I put myself through that because I'm smart and I'm, you know what I mean? I have resources and Um, Unlike many other women, I had the financial resources to also leave, which most people and most relationships, there's one person at least that is financially bound to a relationship. And in my case, I wasn't even the one that was financially bound to the relationship. And somehow I was still stuck for years. And that loneliness is really, really understanding what makes you happy at your core you know, when there is nobody around and when there is nobody to fulfill all of those nuances that 
are uh, usually preoccupied with other people, right? And so really experiencing yourself and figuring out what makes you happy is so important. And, you know, like, for example, yesterday, I have three big dogs. And um, yesterday I was walking them and we got attacked by a dog that was loose. And I called my parents and I'm like freaking out. God bless my parents, by the way, because those poor people, I mean, I just like, they're probably like, at what age are you going to stop calling me with your midlife crisis? But I call them freaking out, you know, because I had to walk home still. Right. So I'm walking home, my fingers bleeding. And my mom is like, are the dogs okay? I'm like, they're okay. And she's like, but you're not. And I'm like, I'm not. And she's like, well, are you bit? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, I don't, I'm tired of doing this shit alone. Like that, that was the first, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like in your height of crisis, it wasn't even like, that was scary. The other dog could have killed me. My dogs could have killed them because my dogs, my dogs are pretty scrappy, but it was this innate feeling of, ah, why am I even, why do I have to walk my dogs alone? You know what I mean? And so that's like, that's that like deep rooted loneliness where you're in either a high, high or a low, low, and you're calling your mom. You know what I mean? Like my mom's my emergency contact (laughs) and I'm about to be 40. Like what, what? Now, granted, you know, my mom, God bless her, because she's like, well, you know, if you were with your ex-husband, he'd probably let you get bit anyways. Like, he wouldn't have helped me. So that would have been worse, right? So I'm not uh, advocating for staying in unhealthy relationships. But there is that that loneliness feeling that creeps up where you're just like the little mundane things. Like, damn, why do I have to walk my dogs alone? Like, come on, God, what did you do? What what did I do wrong here? You know, so... Um, but just figuring out what you want and then not settling for less. And I feel yeah. like I have a really hard time dating and it's cause I just, I spent so many years with the wrong person and pouring the, all the love and all doing, all, trying to, trying to do my best and trying to do all the right things with the wrong person. A, I can't afford to waste any more years, but B, I cannot wait. Like, I can't wait until it's reciprocated because I can't wait for that kind of love, you know, like, and I know it has to exist. I see other people that have it, you know, so Mm -hmm. I just can't wait for the moment where um, I can give my all like I've done in the past and have it be reciprocated and just have it be so good. Not that it's going to be perfect because I'm not delusional, you know, but yeah, so that's what loneliness is and just not settling for a hot yeah. body, you 100%. know, <laughs> 100%. But you know, I'll tell you something interesting. You know, when I'm listening to you and the things you're saying, I'm th- I'm picturing you in in the marriage that I'm I'm hearing was empty at the end, right? Yeah. And I, that's like such a heightened state of loneliness when you're with someone and you're alone. That yes, is one kind worst. of a loneliness, right? Yeah, and the other kind that. You're describing being walking these dogs, right? And I relate to this a lot, walking these dogs and just not having that go to that partner that, you know, that, you know, even just being an entrepreneur, you're, you're the last buck, you know, like you're the one that everything and not having that person behind you as a strong woman where you can be fragile, where they're going to take care of you, you know, all of those things that are so just even in the practical things, I had to put my dog down after my husband died and I had to do it alone. 
And I remember thinking that same exact thing, like, how come I have to do this alone? And like feeling like, and I heard you say, which I thought was interesting because it was the same words I said was what's wrong with me that I have to (laughs) do this alone. Right. And how many of us go there, Chanel, like when we're feeling sad or when we make a mistake, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And and that's why you're so beautiful in your willingness to just openly say, what's wrong with me? Because how many women out there have said that? I can't, I want to hear the, I want to see the hands raising, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, and that's the thing too, is that sometimes when you do try to live authentically, it it's almost to a fault. Like people will do the dirtiest things to me. Like they will, I've had a business partner rob me. Obviously my ex-husband is not a great person. I've had friends do really, you know, terrible things. Well, quote unquote friends. And I'm always like to my parents and to my best friend, like, okay, the only thing that's in this equation is me. So it has to be me. Like somebody just tell me how to fix me because I'm willing to do the work. And they're just staring blankly at me like, (laughs) it's not you. And I'm like, it has to be me. Like, let it be me so I can do the work. You know, like uh, I always say that people that go to therapy are because the people that need therapy won't go. Right. So it's like, I'm in therapy, like, what's wrong with me? And they're like, the only problem wrong with you at this moment is that you think it's you and and you can't fix that. Like you can't fix that person, you know? And I'm like, uh, you know, so, um, and I, I try to fix people. So that's also a a, a character flaw in me is picking people that I think need saving. So, you know, um, you just said it right there. Yeah, I know. I'm working on it. Yeah. You know, because that concept, you think about a woman who's nurturing and, you know, has like a desire. That's what you're doing to help people. Right. So I'm a, I'm a helping person, right. I own counseling centers. So, so the nat, what would be a natural draw, you know, could be a natural draw for someone who needs help. Right. Yeah. So it's like, but then I wonder also, if you think about, okay, if we're the common denominator, Okay. In this situation. So then it's like, okay, so what is it really that I feel about me? You know, mm. what do I feel about me that lands me here today? So, you know, like, so you know what I think happens? I think that we become addicted to the feelings we feel the most throughout our lifetime. And, you know, from zero to seven, that's, that's when we're programmed. So whatever that belief system is, and it's all unconscious, right? Whatever that belief system is, like drives these outcomes that we're not even, we're trying, we're doing everything not to have. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So it's like, what's the underlying message that comes with the betrayal, right? What do you think it yeah. is? What's the underlying I, message? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. So interesting enough, I don't remember anything before like eight or nine. Yeah. So there goes, there goes how traumatic my life has been. Yeah. Like I literally don't remember hardly any of it, but I, I think the underlining message is really like, you know, I want to take care of people because I felt so abandoned at times. Right. So yeah. I don't ever want anyone else to feel that way. Yeah. Um, And I do that to 
to a flaw. The other thing that I, I heard the other day, and it just made like a light bulb go off in regards to the love languages test. And it made so much sense to me that I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, is that um, they, that this girl was saying her theory on the love language test is that your top two love languages that you receive love in are the top two that you did not receive when you were in childhood. And I was just like, my mouth literally yeah. dropped because I score a zero on gifts and my mom is like the best gift giver. She didn't care. She had to work 17 jobs. Like she was going to give us gifts and she still to this day gives the best gifts, but I don't really care about gifts because I grew up with them. Right. Like I've always had that. But what's interesting for me is that words of affirmation is my number one. And um, it's what I used to struggle with my ex-husband. Like, I need you to tell me I'm doing a good job. I need you to tell me that I'm pretty. And like, literally in marriage counseling, he would tell the therapist, like, why do I need to tell her that the whole internet does? And I'm like, that makes it worse. My guy, like I have yeah. 500 strangers telling me I'm pretty. And my husband being like, are you sure you're wearing that? Like, that's what you want to, you know what I mean? And you're like, yeah. wait, 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 what? So, um, for people that are listening right now, that is something that really like struck a nerve with me is understanding that the two things that you're craving most in your adult um, life from like the love language tests are probably the things that you didn't receive. And so sometimes what I've learned is that we then tend to overcompensate in those areas, right? And that's the whole purpose of the love language test anyways, is that I shouldn't love Allison the way that I like to be loved because she doesn't necessarily um, not only want that, but you may not even receive that well, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just think that that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to do a better job because I have a very anxious attachment style to people. I don't really mess with a lot of people, right? Like I keep my circle pretty small, but once I let you in, I'm like a little kid. Like I want to yeah. be next to you. I want to plan trips. I want to do this. And, <laughs> and that is also to a fault of mine because yeah. these are then the people that, you know, seep in and they end up hurting me. And so now I'm just at the point of my life of how do I figure out who's the right people to let in because I still need to let people into my life but how do I you know create a barrier of knowing who's uh just trying to get in for malicious reasons you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah. so but you know what's interesting about that I just happen to know a little bit about it because of what I do but like this whole thing that we're talking about when you're saying you know, like I have this anxious style, right? This, um, of, of connecting or whatever, of relating. And I'm thinking, you know, attachment. And like, if you think about for any of us, if we are from our history and childhood, if the fear was to that we could be rejected or abandoned, right? If that is an ultimate, like a theme, just like a landscape in our life that we're unconscious about, Right. And then we have this anxious attachment style that will draw people who and we will actually be aligned with and move toward people who will keep that anxiety going because we become chemically addicted to the feelings we feel the most. Oh, yes, totally. You know, and that's something that I've learned post-divorce is um, what a trauma bond is. Mm. And understanding trauma bonds and stuff like that 
in hindsight, now it makes so much sense as to why I got in the relationship that I did and that my ex-husband was 13 years older than me and why I, you know what I mean? Like why I had all of these like notions of how life was going to go and all of these things. And now I'm just thinking like, that's so weird. Like I, I, I wouldn't date a 22 year old. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. but yes. when you're 22, you're not thinking like that. You're no. thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's totally that way. And, um, something that, you know, I've learned and I've had to come to terms with is that, you know, being in a trauma bond and mental abuse and like being verbally abused is just as damaging to the brain as being punched in the face. 100%. And I don't think enough people realize that and, or, um, acknowledge that, you know, because yes. if I went on social media right now and said, my ex-husband punched me in the face, which he has never. Okay. Just to clear mm-hmm. there, right? right. He's never, um, people would be outraged. Right. But yeah. if I go on there and say, you know, he was mean to me to the depths of like the craziest things ever. And it mentally like did this same thing. I sometimes I would, I don't want to say I wish he would have hit me, but like, you know, I, I wish I would have known how damaging it was. Right. Because yeah. we're trained to know that if a man hits you, you should leave. Right, we are not exactly. trained that if a man is verbally or a person, it doesn't need to be a man. It could be a person. It could be a friend. It could be a parent. It could be anybody. If somebody is verbally abusing you, you are literally scientifically damaging your brain in yep. the same way, but nobody's talking about that. No. And you know what else? The other thing is, is that, you know, what happens to chicken or the egg, it doesn't matter. But if we, if they enter into your life and then they, then your voice inside is matching what they're saying. So it like, so that's like the alignment. Like if, you know, so many women just beat themselves up, you know, in our culture all the time. And it like invites and a, a guy can support that. Right. And be just right along beating the woman up verbally. But you know, the thing when you describe the trauma bond, do you want to explain what that is for people who don't know what that is? Yeah. So a trauma bond. And, you know, I, I think it's, I'm going to say this, if, if what I, what if I, what I'm about to say, if it kind of makes you like, you know, be be grateful that you don't understand that. Right. Um, because there's been a lot of people that I try to explain it to, and they kind of just shrug it off and laugh a little bit. And I'm like, you should be really grateful that you don't understand what I'm trying to say, because the people that get it, get it. And it's the most traumatic thing ever. Um, but a trauma bond is, is that when your body is actually chemically dependent on the highs and the lows of a relationship, um, and it becomes so addicted to it, like a drug, like it's literally a drug. And when you get to that low, you are programmed to know that the high will come. The high is going to come. So you start acting in a way that is probably out of character for you to get back to that sense of security and safety of the high. And you will do anything and everything in your power to get to that. And when you get to the high, you would think, okay, cool, you're good. Then you start to dread the low because you know that the drop is coming. 
you know that it's coming and you're smart enough. Okay. You are not a stupid person. I am not a stupid person. I knew the low was coming. As soon as I would hit the high, my, my heart would stop and say, okay, cool. Like how many hours or how many days do I have until the low hits, you know? Um, and it's literally like a roller coaster. And the only thing that you can do is not even get off the roller coaster. You have to get off the roller coaster and you have to get out of the theme park because if not another roller coaster will tempt you and you will get on a different ride. Like, and it will just continue to go over and over. But I have learned that you are actually chemically dependent on the dopamine and the serotonin from the high of getting that uh, relationship back to where it needed to be. Um, after it fell, but the person on the other end of a trauma bond is doing that to you on purpose. And that has been one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with, um, in my divorce is realizing that this wasn't just somebody, uh, you know, mentally ill or somebody that maybe just was mean or mean spirited. This was somebody that was calculating how to be mean to me and how to starve me of everything he knew I desired and then calculating when to give that plate back to me in order to keep me on the ride. And that was probably the hardest thing and still the hardest thing that I'm processing because a normal person cannot fathom right? Like, so if, if I'm your friend and I just, I'm like, you know what, Allison, like we've hung out a few times. We're just not really our cup of tea. Like, I don't, you know, I don't wish any ill will towards you, but like, I don't really want to hang out with you. Right. But I, I can't fathom being like, I don't really like Allison. So let me just like love bomb her and be all nice and then take it all away and then give it back. I don't have time for that, nor does my brain go through that cycle, but there are people out there and there's zero remorse. They know exactly what they're doing and how I was able to learn this is because if I look at the highs, he was able to deliver everything that I would beg. I mean, and I, I'm a very smart, you know, attractive, funny, I was making millions of dollars woman and I would be in my own home begging for love, attention, please go to dinner with me. Please look at me when I'm speaking to you. Please, you know, just like the little, the dumbest things that you shouldn't have to beg your partner for. Um, and he would literally give me the plate and then take the plate away. Yes. So um, yeah, that's basically what a trauma bond is in a really short period of time. But, you know, I want to just tell you just, first of all, Thank you so much for sharing that because I know it's a very, very vulnerable and painful thing to share. And, you know, you, you are very, so generous in that vulnerability. I really mean that, you know, it means a lot to, I'm sure everyone who's listening. I know a lot of people on here who do listen really have the repetitive relationships like that. So I just want to thank you because you're giving a lot to people now, but one of the things and educating those who don't know, but if I could just piggyback on it, just a couple of things you said, because they're so powerful. It's so common for that to happen 
to very, very successful women as well, women who are beautiful, women who have a lot going for them. That is not unusual because part of that is also that this incredible woman is also a representation to them. Uh, you know, it, it um, tells them how great they are by having this, this, and, and the interesting thing, if anyone, you know, as human beings, we're habituated, we're all automated, we're, we're, we basically live on programs, and we don't realize it, we can create new things. But basically, when we go from, you know, um, a childhood experience, whatever that is, any kind of deprivation, any kind of shame, and just a little, a little bit of attachment or connection to that area can slowly build into something that becomes this. And it's, it's, it's a slow, you know, it's a slow fade. It happens a day at a time that people become addicted to things, you know, and yeah. And also the other thing I just want to throw out there to anybody who would even naysay this is that if you think about it, you know, we have big pharma, right? There's, you know, there's drugs for everything. The biggest storehouse of pharmaceuticals is in our body. There's every kind of drug that we can create. There's so much happening chemically that we do become addicted to the feelings we feel the most. There's, we also know that in families and in relationships, there are scripts. Like you could say, I know what I, if I said to my mother, this blah, 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 you know, I I could ask you, what would your mother say back? And you would know. Yeah. Because they were (laughs) programmed in scripts. So in order to change things, it's almost like you have to change the script even socially. Right. But you're, you're this story right here. How, how would you describe? Cause now you're at the, you know, in your marriage, you're also this super successful woman. I think women also, and probably men too, who are in really bad situations at home, have a tendency to, it's like, you almost like feel crazy. So then you pretend. Yeah. I don't think I ever pretended, you know, I've, I've had a, a, (laughs) it's hard for me to see you pretending. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've had a big presence on social media for so many years and a lot of people, um, when I started my business, he was very active in my business. And so people would see us and what they saw was true. It was true at that moment, a hundred percent true. Um, but I do think that if somebody was to like, go look at, videos over time, you can start to see the breakdown, right? You can, and then he just disappears from them. Um, and so, and you can also like, if you were to look at my social media posts and I'm saying this because of my job as an influencer, right? So not everyone would have this social proof, but for me, I do, which is kind of cool, uh, kind of not, but kind of cool in, in ways for me to do my healing is where you can start to see, you know, you'll see the posts from 12 years ago where it's like me and my man, like we're going on a cruise da, 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 and all the happy pictures, you know, and you will see the breakdown of when I stopped talking about him. So I didn't publicly say like, Hey, we're not doing so good for a while, you know, but I stopped talking about that. And I just was talking about my business and, and life and my career. Um, and then I did start slowly talking about, you know, um, divorce. I mean, I made a post about talking about divorce three years before we got divorced. Mm. So nobody can ever come for me and be like, Oh, look, she was on the internet pretending like relationship goals. No. And I was making posts saying, you know, we talked about divorce, but here's what we're doing. We're going to counseling. So if this is you and your husband, 
try going to counseling. Like, you know what I mean? Like it shouldn't yeah. be like this. So right. the, the, the kind of cool thing about my journey is that it's all documented, you know, and what's even crazier for me now is to go back and look at pictures. Mm-hmm. Cause you can literally see the energy of us shift. Like if you were to start pictures from when, you know, when we first met, which obviously should be amazing. Um, and then go through it, like towards the end, we look like totally different people, but also the energy you can actually see it like, and his, and this is going to sound weird, but like his eyes got crazy, Yeah, you know? So as a therapist, you probably know what I'm talking about, but like, his eyes were soft and kind for, for years. And then if you look at my later, I mean, there's, these are pictures that I've literally like studied, you know, cause I'm like, what the hell, like, where, where did this go wrong? Cause I don't make this mistake ever again, but you can see that. And I know that there's people that are listening that are going to understand what I'm saying. Like go look at your photos. And if, if, if your brain needs some proof, go look at your photos because you will start to see the distance. You will start to see the lack of intimacy within a photo, you know, that lack of like glow. I mean, I literally look like a totally different person than I did 18 months ago when I filed my divorce, you know? Um, And that's because I just feel so free, but I would say for people, you know, is to look at that, uh, look at the photos because when we're in relationships like that, we do feel like we're going crazy. And obviously we're not telling everybody everything because I don't, Mm -hmm. I I don't think we should, you know, unless we're being, again, unless we're being physically abused, we're not trained to say, Hey, but you know, a lot of people that manipulate us do it in ways um, there, there's a term for it. And I don't know, I, I totally forgot what it is, but I learned about it through uh, somebody on TikTok that talks a lot about narcissism Mm -hmm. and she, there's an actual term and you'll probably know what it is, but it's where somebody has a, has a relationship with you and they can like backhand you and manipulate you in public. Are you talking about gaslighting? You're talking about, no, it's not gaslighting. Mm -hmm. It's basically when they can manipulate Yes, where nobody mm-hmm. else is like, no one knows so about you. Yeah, why is she so mad about that comment? And you're like, yep. he knows mm-hmm. why I'm mad about that comment. I just yes. told him that my arms are bothering me. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's an actual word for it. I'll think of it. But uh, you know, towards the end of my relationship, that that was the entirety of my relationship. Yes. Was there would be a whole discussion about something that he knew would trigger me. And then he would get me public and just trigger Mm -hmm. the shit out of me waiting for me to be reactively abusive to him. And that is so out of character for me. Yes. And you know, what's interesting about that. That's like a crazy making strategy that a lot of women in your situation will end up feeling crazy and people, and it's like almost like highlights and illuminates something that's, it's almost like they're pulling from you what they are and publicizing yeah. it. And it's, yeah. it's almost like, you know, in situations like that, you, you become like you're, you know, you're an emotional hostage. Yes. It, what, what I was going to say that I just love about you also is this authenticity you have, because what I found every time we bring up narcissism on, you know, the podcast or so, a woman comes on and talks about, you know, really dark experiences with a man, p- women come out of the woodwork who start to say, I never wanted to say it because they're pretending. You don't pretend. 
And that, you know, and that it's because they feel like if they showcase this or if they say anything, they feel like it makes them look bad. It's like a shameful for them, you know, and that's what's so beautiful about what you're doing for the women of the world. I just, I just keep saying it because I really believe that about you. I, it means so much to me as a person, because I just love that. You, you, um, what, what would you say, you know, I want to be respectful of your time and all that. What would you say is the, you have come out of many different hard times and, and succeeded. What would you say to someone who's feeling like down about themselves or feels like they can't get to their dreams, either in terms of business or socially, or just what would you say to them? Yeah. Or they're not getting enough followers or, you know, all the things. Followers are a little overrated, guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have I'm a whole theory on that. But yeah. anyhow, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the main thing, and it's something that I've been uh, telling myself every single day, cause I've been in a very hard season myself is bet on yourself and take all of that love, the compassion, all of the things that you pour into every single other person and start pouring that into yourself. And it's going to, it's going to hurt like hell. It's going to be hard. You know, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel lonely. It's going to feel all the things, but feel all of those things, go through all of those things, you know, and really, um, figure out what you're trying to do. And the other thing in terms of just happiness and also business, and this is something, uh, again, that I'm teaching myself is, you know, if you've, if you've done it once, you can do it again. Right. And so this, this, this is literally a mantra I tell myself every day because some days, you know, I'm by myself. Like I've been on my own for the last, you know, five or six years with no like nine to five job. And, made sure all the bills were paid. Even when I was married, it was just me paying for everything, you know? Um, and I've had, to, I've, I've never had the luxury or experience of what you said earlier is being able to like, okay, if I don't have it this month, so-and-so does. And I was married for a long time. I've never experienced that. Right. Um, my parents have that, like my mom hasn't worked in 20 years and, you know, my, you know, my dad's worked, and, um, I've never experienced that. And, and I tend to, um, attract women that have never experienced that as well. And it becomes exhausting. However, if you can do it once you can do it again. Right. And so that's what I just try to remind myself. It doesn't make it always easier. Cause I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I want a soft life. Like when do I, when do I get a break? You know what I mean? When do I get to be like, Oh, cool. Somebody else got the mortgage this month. Like it's yeah. not all on me, you know? Yeah. But, you know, in God's timing, right? But I just try to convince myself every day or remind myself rather that if you can build it once or you can do it once, you can do it again. And that goes with bad days. Like you've survived 100% of every bad day you've had. And somehow you still woke up and you still chose to be a good person. You still chose to work your ass off, even when you've been, you know, when you've been in debt, when you've been having the wrong people around you, you still chose to wrap love and kindness around the wrong people. So imagine when the universe gifts us the right people, like that stuff is what keeps me going is knowing that all of this goodness has to be coming. Like 
I have no doubt all of this is coming my way. There, there's yeah. no other reason why I would be going through all of these experiences, you know? So that would be my, my main two things. I love it. I love it so much. And I really relate to that because I'm one of those women who's like, everything ends at me, you know? And what I love, what I really have been pondering over that, Chanel, is this concept. And I'm not, I don't know 100%, but I'm practicing it. The concept of, you know, being someone who can receive. You know, I grew up in a very, I was neglected. So I was very self-sufficient. I learned how to do everything myself. I have the same sense from you and finding everything had to come from me, right? So now if you look at it, it's just a lifetime, you know, going through that, right? So then when you, so what would happen? I wonder, maybe we can do it like as a accountability thing that we shift, that we're receivers, that I can be a woman who doesn't have to be the answer. What an incredible yeah. thought, right? Yeah. I've actually really been trying that like in mm-hmm. my dating life, but also in friendships. Oh, and yeah. what I've learned is since my divorce, cause I worked really hard on building some solid friendships post-divorce is being a receiver makes you a better giver. 100%. And that that makes me so excited, you know, cause I used to have the friends too. Like I would pay for everything. No, I got it. No, I got it. I would pick them up. You know what I mean? I was doing all of the things and now I've created some really amazing friendships that are based off of me taking a deep breath and learning to receive and learning how to say thank you and being grateful for them. And it, it is a huge change and it is so magical. And yes, I can't wait for that in dating. Like there's going to be some guy, Allison, that shows up and is like, I want to give you the world. I'm like, yes. I'll be and like, I'm a magic Are you willing partner. to take it? Yes. 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 I think yeah. like I've been trying to be a huge advocate for women that are so wildly independent and understanding and teaching them, this is a trauma response. Yes, we are badass in our own right and all of these things, but life is a community sport. Yes. And this was not meant to be played alone or for you to say, I don't need, I don't need a family. I don't need friends. I don't need a man. Uh, what the hell? I need all of those things. So I'm going to work really hard. I'm doing my best to give, but also to receive because that's how, that's what a real relationship um, is to people that want to pour just buckets and buckets and buckets into each other. You know, don't you think that like a real man, someone who's really in his healthy masculine really is designed to take care of a woman and is designed to give to her. If she takes that from him, right. That, you know, I wonder if it's just like that it like takes away some of their sense of self or like, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, that's essentially what ended up happening in my marriage was the breakdown of his ego Mm. and me surpassing him. Mm. And he had two options, right? Have an ego issue about it or rise. And he decided to have an ego issue about it. Mm. Um, So absolutely. I think that. Um, not all men are hard, hardwired like that, but for the most part, um, and 
I hate it because there's so many people that are like, oh, yeah, men should pay. Like, it's, it has nothing to do with monetary goods. That. No. It's about the fact that men are hardwires to be hunters. You know what I mean? They're yeah. to protect, to, you know, for me. And this is how I always explain it when I'm like, I want a protector and a provider. And men are like, oh, so you're looking for someone with money. I'm like, sir, I make way more than you. Okay. So don't even come over here trying to act like I'm a gold digger. My thing is, with my ex-husband, if there was like a noise downstairs, he would send me. I understand. Yeah, that's, that's. And that is not a man in his masculine. No, no. And that is by far the problem. So that is what I mean by protector and provider. Not like, you know, can he go make a paycheck? Anyone can make money. You know, it's interesting because money's just a concept and it's just a symbol. It's just a symbol of what, you know, what's happening. Right. So like yeah. to me, you know, and I think a real man understands that when they can say, yeah, no, I want to provide this for you. I want to protect you because th- then they're in themselves. I was just going to say, and just from dating, and I, I just love this topic so much. I I also just don't think men realize how miserable they are when they're not financially <laughs> stable. Oh, yeah. Like they're insufferable. Mm-hmm. So the reason that a woman does not want to date you while you do not have money is not the actual money. Because I can go on a picnic with somebody. Like I've actually yes. never had a picnic. Like if a man said... I'm picking you up and he surprised me at a park with a picnic. Like, girl, that could maybe yes. cost like $15 and I would be like a pig and shit. Like, I would be so excited. Okay. Yes. However, men are insufferable when they do not have money because their ego is tied and they are hardwired to protect and provide and they mm-hmm. do not feel like they can do that. So, I am a huge advocate that men need to be at a stable place, yeah. um, not just financially, but mentally before they're dating, because they always say, well, it's about money. It It is to you, to a man. It is to a man because your ego is now fragile. And when a man's ego is fragile, they cannot be masculine. They cannot be my safe place. They cannot be where I can go and lay my head yes. and say, Phew, I had a rough day. Let me drop into this feminine energy with you. And so um, anyone that's listening, and I I think that men need to hear this the most, is that it's not about the actual money. Money is whatever. You know what I mean? I always... Yeah. And I would say, actually, my marriage was the best when we were the brokest, you know? I would believe that. Sure. You know? But my thing is, is like don't focus on money, focus on the outcome of your relationship. And, and, uh, men have such ego issues when they're not financially where they need to be. And that's why I think it's so important for them to be at a place. It, Cause it's, because even if we go do a free date, right. With a man who is paying his bills and, you know, and has his car payment, on auto pay or whatever, whatever makes him feel (laughs) really good. Right. (laughs) Even if we go do a free date, right. Or like a cheap, I don't want to say a cheap date, but an inexpensive date at the park, which I would love by the way. Right. Allison would love that too. Right. Yes. Any woman listening, I'm like, you know, put some flowers out. Oh my gosh. Okay. Whatever. But a man that is, uh, has money, right. Is like, cool. This is cool because I'm making her happy. 
But a man yeah. that doesn't have money doing that is like, shit, I'm just doing this because I can't yes. afford to go to the $400 yes. dinner that she's accustomed to. Yeah. So that is where that major switch mm-hmm. is and where I wish more men would understand and be open-minded to receiving that information. Now, are there women that take advantage of men? Yes. And are men stupid and pay for dumb shit? Yes. But I'm not talking about that. Those <laughs> that's not, not what we mean. Yeah, That's not what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, I'm talking about like the everyday woman, you know, and I, I, I know we're short for time, but just really quickly too, is that when a lot of men are like, oh, women just want a man with money. It's, and you know, I'm like, actually, no, no. The wrong woman wants yes. a man with money. Exactly. A woman that's doing well, like they always say a high value man doesn't care about your career, your accolades, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, a high value woman doesn't care about those things either. We care about your drive, yes. you know, your ambition behind it. Yes. What, where are you going in life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what is, what is your work, work ethic? Maybe you're not at the peak of where you need to be, but that's okay. So just something to think about too. So, but yeah. I'm, um, you know who I have, um, whatchamacallit, do you know who mother trucker is? Uh, uh-uh. okay. Well, she's, she's my next podcast and she is, a mo- she is owns a trucking company. And I love na- it. The name of it is mother trucker. I love I it. I feel like it's just girl power day. Yes. Right? I was like, oh my God, Chanel would love that concept, you know, because she's like a mother trucker. This chick. Yeah. I love yes. that. So I want to just say to you, I honestly, I could, I feel like I could cry on your shoulder. (laughs) I'm like, could I just come and sit on your couch and would you just make me feel better? And we could talk shit. But anyhow, I just think you're just incredible. And I'm so grateful. I just, I feel like you're very, very special. And, um, you know, I'm just saying it to everyone here because I do think that the value that you're looking for, you've been putting value out for so very long. And um, I think a lot of women do that, you know, they're just, just tiring and giving and trying to change others and love others and all this stuff. And it's time for that, you know, for all of that to be switched into like this receiving, I just can't wait to watch what happens with you, right? I'm just really happy to see it. I'm going to you know, and also I just want to say to the audience that Chanel does coaching. Chanel um, has the, um, she has strategies for business. We're having a very, very candid conversation that's just down and authentic about relationships and crap. But this woman is the bomb when it comes to business. Like, I don't know what exactly you're offering now, but she had, she's like, she can really help a woman in so many different ways, you know, growing your audience, growing organically and being able to uh, scale your business and understand strategies for that. And she's the real deal because she's the one who came from nothing and knows how to build shit. I mean, I've heard stories and I wish, I wish we had like three hours. Cause I'm, do- I wish, it, would you ever come on here again? Yeah, I'll come back. Would you? Because I am yeah. dying to talk to you about the popcorn story. Like, oh, there's so, yeah. many, so many good stories. Would you do it? Would you come Absolutely. back? Absolutely. Yeah. I want you to. And I, because I just love to talk to you. I love talking to you too. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Is there, yeah, and where will people find you? We're going to have everything in the notes, but where will okay. they find you? 
Yeah, I'm most active on Facebook under Chanel Venegas, and then they can go to beautyandhustle.com. And I do offer women's retreats. Those will be coming back in 2023. So if anyone's been listening and wants more information about that, they can just DM me on Facebook or Instagram. I want to know about those. And maybe we can showcase them. I want to come. I also want, I want you to give me like a little blurb and I'll put it on my social. Not that I'm like some, maybe you could tell me how to grow my social. For God's sake, but that's, that's another story. But <laughs> anyhow, I'm just so blessed to, to know you and I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Love bug. So um, we stay in touch and maybe I'll send you another one. Maybe you could come back in a while. Yeah. I would yeah. love that. She has to say yes now in public, right? Yeah. She's just going to like blow my thing. Like, oh, I'm not doing that. All right, lovey. I don't do that. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor. Thank you. Okay, guys. Bye, bye, bye. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. I just want to say to you that we are all together a part of the mission, Mission Awake, a mission that's going to stop the mediocrity that's plaguing all of us. So if you've got something here today, I ask that you would be a part of this mission and you'd share it with whoever you can. Take a screenshot of the show and share it on your Instagram. If you are looking for me, you can find me on social media platform, Instagram, Allison Answers or Logger Counseling Services. And give us a, a review and subscribe, if you could, to YouTube. Allison Answers. That's where you're going to get a lot of content. I drop stuff every day, goofy stuff, all different kinds of stuff. Five-minute videos that just get you moving in your day. Have a great week. See you next time.